Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Shalene Johnson, for those of you that don't know who she is, she's an incredible human being, full of light and full of energy too, but she's a world-renowned motivational speaker with more than 30 years as a health expert. She's a New York Times bestselling author, health and lifestyle expert, and top health podcast with over 70 plus million downloads for her show alone. She's got tens of thousands of people around the globe that have been transformed uh, through uh, Shalene's message, her work, and their bodies have been transformed too, as well as their lives with her help and her fitness programs have been featured in gyms and on TV for more than 12 plus years. She and Brett, the husband of over 20 plus years, are the founders of the Smart Life Movement. Together, they have built and sold several multi-million dollar lifestyle companies and helped countless people do the same. Shalene, uh, like I said earlier, is just a, a huge bundle of joy and, and energy. And I think once again, with the Christmas season upon us, I feel like this is another great conversation to warm your hearts, to uh, inspire you and to move you into doing things that are going to be good for yourselves over this Christmas period, as well as heading into 2023. My goodness, that that is a crazy thing to say right now. But anyway, it is a, going to be upon us very, very soon. So I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed speaking with Shalene. I just want to say I hope that you guys have a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year um, as well. So, all right, my friends. You know what time it is. It is time to journey with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to do this. Thank you so much for making the time. I feel like I'm a fish out of water being able to speak to you. <laughs> uh, with the amount oh, of you're so sweet. You've, you've been doing in, in your life. I feel like I need to get a head start. <laughs> but uh, it's a real honor to have you here. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. You've had a lot of success over 
your lifetime, I guess I could, I've just read out quite a bit. But sure. one of the questions that I love asking all my guests to start off with is what does success look like to you? Uh, success to me is it doesn't look like something, it's a feeling. Uh, so it's not the car that I drive or the home that I live in or any of those things. It's a, for me, success is defined by a feeling. So no matter what I'm doing, if I don't have this feeling, then I can't consider it successful. And, and that took me some time to figure out, but that, that word for me is peace. If I, if I don't feel peaceful, then I don't feel like I'm being, I'm not being true to myself. I'm not in alignment with my priorities and I'm not in alignment with my faith. Uh, so it's a feeling. Mm. Why do you think it took you a while to figure it out? Like how long? Did well, it geez, it, it's because uh, we are inundated with the message. You're supposed to hustle more. You're supposed to acquire these things. You're supposed to create a, a vision board and then go after all the things on your vision board. We aren't taught that success is a feeling. Uh, we're taught that success is things. Success is a monetary amount. Success is um, something that we can photograph or provide a you know, a highlight reel on Instagram and that success. And we're just inundated with that messaging, you know, and, and even today, I still sometimes struggle with that because I'm inundated with, we are all inundated with that message. Uh, and it took me um, realizing that I was accomplishing these things. I was reaching all my goals. I was, you know, I had everything you could desire, but I didn't feel at peace. I felt overwhelmed. I felt anxious. I felt um, like I was on a treadmill that I couldn't get off. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I thought like, okay, okay, but wait, I've done all these things. I'm accomplishing my goals. Why doesn't this feel the way I, I was led to believe or promised that I would feel? And that's when I um, discovered that I, I needed to establish my own system of goal setting. I call it the push goal system. Uh, it was the catalyst for my New York Times bestselling book called Push. And um, it is today the, the methodology that I put behind everything that I create and the entrepreneurs that I helped coach. Mm. What is the book Push about? Just a, a brief snapshot. Sure. It's re recognizing that goal setting and uh, task mastery and, and productivity and focus, all these things are really important. And we've learned from the masters, you know, we've learned from, I mean, the, the greats and personal development, how to do these things. But I think, I think so many of those experts being very driven uh, men, frankly, didn't take into consideration that there's more than one way to feel successful and to, and to reach the, all of those goals and not pay attention to how you feel was really why so many people were very successful, but also very empty. Mm. And, you know, not once I achieved a certain level of, of success and was around incredibly successful people, I saw that so many of them had this in common, that they had broken marriages and they had addiction and they had um, just things. They just didn't seem like happy people, but they were incredibly successful. And it made me realize, like, I don't want this. And it was taking a toll on my own marriage that Brett and I. And uh, so therefore, I decided to go like, OK, so what was missing and what was missing was the piece of goal setting that factors in like, how do I feel? Mm. Like, what do I want to feel? And what happens if we were to set goals that were in alignment 
with the things that we are really, truly important to us. So if you ask the average person, just sit down and create a list of your 10 goals, they'll do so. And a lot of times the things that we set goals for in those areas are in areas where we're already crushing it. Mm-hmm. But the areas that are most important to us. So like if I ask you to go through a list of the 10 most important areas of your life and give each one of them a score. So we could go hobbies, um, your faith, your family, your romance, your your physical health, your mental health, your uh, your work, your um, you know, you go through all of these areas. For most people, if the areas that they score the lowest are ironically the areas that are most important to them. But if we were to just like say, okay, Jay, make a list of 10 goals, we kind of avoid those areas that we're unhappy with because even though that's important to us, because it's harder. Yeah. So the book that I wrote, Push, kind of teaches people how to start with, okay, where am I missing the mark in these 10 areas? And how can I set goals that align with what truly is important to me? And, and then how can I create goals that um, are not just in alignment with what I want, but that fit with that feeling that I want to accomplish? Because, you know, if, if we if we just go like crazy to master our goals and by the time we get there, we realize like we've destroyed our health or we've destroyed our the joy that we were after, the freedom that we're after, then it's kind of for not. So the book push is really a process. It's it teaches that process. Mm. I love that answer. There's so much for me to ask you just out of that. But Mm. one of the things that keeps coming to my mind is setting, I guess, 10 goals. But I know for me, I found it very difficult and sometimes very tricky to actually write down three goals that I really, really wanted to achieve. Mm. And I realized that that was because I allowed fear to take control over what I knew to be real or mm. like move, taking that step forward and actually what was it, what was it going to look like for me if I actually uh, started going forward and trying to achieve this particular goal? Cause they were big goals. Yeah. And I didn't even yeah. bother with the small ones because I thought, no, 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 I'm not going to do small. I'm going to go, go big or go home as I was taught. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think it's a very important um, thing where you're, where you're teaching is, don't be afraid, number one, to set goals. And, and secondly, just write them down and then work towards them. Yeah. That's an important thing. I, and I also think it's important that we, once we set goals for ourselves, another thing they teach people to do is to look at each one of those goals. So any goal that you set for yourself, you're going to need one of four things. You're going to need this goal requires that I, I need more time mm-hmm. or I need more money or I need skills or I need different habits slash discipline, right? You're going to need one of those four things. So I always ask people when you make a list of your 10 goals to then go through and just write the, a letter down next to each goal, like T for time, uh, D for discipline, um, S for skills, um, M for money. And then if you see, there's a, like a lot of T's or there's a lot of M's, like most of these goals, I need money or most of these goals, I need time. Then I recommend that people create an 11th goal that is the goal of which is to give you more of whatever it is you you need. So if you need more money, well, then create an 11th goal that is just about 
either saving money or making more money because that's going to allow your other 10 goals to happen. It knocks them over like a domino. And that is what I call the push goal. It's the 11th goal. It's the most important goal. It's the secret goal. It's the goal that makes the others happen. So if you focus on that 11th goal, it's I. It's so fascinating how oftentimes the other 10 will just get knocked over because you're putting in place the means by which to accomplish those things. Mm. Has it been a goal recently or even over the years that you've set you for yourself that you haven't been able to tick off? Hmm. Or are you still working towards? That's a very good question. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always working. I'm always working on keeping myself in check when it comes to work because uh, it's my default, right? It's It comes easy to me. I'm an entrepreneur by nature. You know, I've always never had a shortage of ideas. In fact, what I usually have to put into place are some boundaries or limits so that I realize, like, okay, I can't do all things at once. Mm. And if I do, I'm, I'm going to be unhappy in other areas. So I would, although I can't think of a goal right now that I haven't reached, I'm sure there's been many, but I always believe like, you know, that's for a reason. And uh, it's really important that we, we don't just continue to go after a goal because we set it as a goal. If we recognize in the pursuit of it, that it doesn't align with our happiness or that feeling that we want to have, then it's it's not quitting to drop that goal. It's just you're adjusting course. And that's a smart thing to do. Yeah, redirecting it. I think that's a very important thing. I have this saying that I, I often say to, to people and even myself when I sort of get off track, it's okay, first and foremost. Secondly, persistently practicing patience with prayer and perseverance. Hmm. Love that. I think number one is persistence. So if you really, really want it and it aligns with your purpose, then go after it. Don't mm -hmm. don't stop because yes. oftentimes we do stop and then we wonder what could have been. Mm -hmm. But for for some people I know, even for myself and what I've gone through, I've wanted to give up many, many times. But it's almost like that guy that's digging for a, two people that's digging for a diamond and they just stop halfway. Like they had the goal in the first place of reaching the diamond, but then all of a sudden life gets in the way. Life mm -hmm. sort of gets a bit hard and they just stop and they walk away from it. Yeah. So why I say persistence firstly. Secondly is practice. Yes. So you got to persistently practice things. The persistence is the mindset and the practice is the action. Mm -hmm. And then uh, thirdly, which is prayer, is one mm -hmm. of the most important things. I myself am a person of faith. You mentioned faith. Yeah, um, yeah. Always, whatever whatever people believe in, that that's that's on them. If it aligns with their happiness, their, their vision and, and purpose, fantastic. But for me, I go to my my heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and I pray to Him, and He's never steered me wrong. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's reassuring also for those of us who are uh, type A's and, you know, tend to have a bit of uh, some control issues. I've always found it just so reassuring to know that I am not in charge. And it's a nice, it's a nice feeling to know that, I know that sounds crazy, um, but it's, it's nice to know a lot of things aren't up to me and that I can turn it over to God. Mm. When was for you, when have you always been a person of faith 
Or mm-hmm. when was the moment for you? The sort of yeah, I've always been a person of faith. Um, I think there were times when I studied personal development or business development where things like didn't add up for me. Like even just the idea of creating a ten or a five year plan. Um, that was always kind of hard for me. And I, I, I couldn't figure out why until I don't know when it was, I couldn't pinpoint a moment, but I suddenly just realized like, Oh, the reason why a five-year plan doesn't always feel right to me is because I'm not living my plan. I'm, I'm following God's plan. And, uh, there's so many twists and turns that it's okay for me to have kind of like a, a fuzzy blurry idea of where I'm headed, but the exact route is not up to me and um and that's kind of fun i think it's exciting honestly yeah it's nerve-wracking but it's also exciting at the same time <laughs> yeah uh, i don't a- find it ner- i don't find it nerve-wracking at all how come because i have total confidence in myself and my um my faith in god and so i i, I could never question his plan you know i mean i'll, I'll I, I do at times but i don't find it nerve-wracking i I just think that's a strong foundation of faith where I'm like, well, this is, I'll find it interesting. Like, well, this is an interesting turn of events, mm-hmm. but I, 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 it doesn't make me nervous. Like when people say, what are you going to do next? I, my answer is always the same. I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He hasn't told me yet. Has there been a moment in your life where your faith has been tested? Hmm. I guess every time something horrible happens to the most amazing people, my faith is tested. Uh, I, I question it. I, I wouldn't say my faith is tested, but it's hard not to question like, why? Mm. Why would that happen to this person? Um, and and really that's about it so far, knock on wood. <laughs> if you were to say, for example, is a hypothetical question, but if you were to just all of a sudden meet God straight away, you're still alive, but you meet him in the flesh. Hmm. What question would you want to ask him? You're only allowed to ask one. Are you kidding me with this question? <laughs> I guess I should have that prepared, right? Um, I don't even know what, I guess I would ask, like, what, why is it certain people, the most horrendous things happen to them? And I, I never see them using that purpose. Like, why is it some people don't use the purpose that you've given to them? Like, don't you have some control over that? Like, couldn't you have influenced them? And couldn't you have like knocked on the door and told them like, hey, the reason why you went through that is because I know you've got it in you to help others and to use this purpose. So I, I guess that's the one thing I would I would ask. It's very interesting because I've always seen it very similar, but also... Mm-hmm. I've noticed even like going through the amount of things that I've been through in my life and three near death experiences, you know, going through so much hell and back. I've noticed that through all the pain, through all the quote suffering that I chose, it led me ultimately to my, my purpose, my God, given mm-hmm. purpose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is to help others realize that they are worth something in their life and to use my story and all the things that I've actually been through. So I look at it as like God did direct me in a very unique sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sense. So, yes. But I, I, I like that question though. I think it's, uh, 
It's a powerful question. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. I mean, it's so, so often I can see for other people, I'm like, oh, I think the only only possible answer is that, you know, why, why would someone who's so kind and sweet and nice and beautiful, like this good person, like why would they have to go through something so horrific? And, you know, the only answer that at all provides me a little bit of uh, peace is to know that it, it's God's intended purpose for their life. And I guess I just, I just sometimes question like why some people don't do anything with that, you know, and they just continue to, to wallow in it and, and question God instead of, I just wonder what, like why he can't intervene and say, okay, well, here's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's not judgment. I mean, I really don't mean that at all to, to, to be judgment because I think that some some people are, you know, they're in the midst of their pain and they they really haven't worked through it yet. And you and there's still time. But I also, I do wonder sometimes why um, other people d- don't see how how they could help others with what it is they've survived or been through. I understand. Like I really do because I felt that way for many, many years. Mm. And if anyone is going through a period right now where it is sort of difficult and tough and hard to navigate, Mm -hmm. then go back to what I was saying earlier, which is don't give up. Like keep asking yourself the question of why am I here? It's okay to ask those questions. And I feel like culture or society sort of teaches us no, like it's wrong for some reason. Mm-hmm. And that's where it will sort of get stuck and they keep wallowing in, in the, the self-pity and because I did the same thing. And 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 get help, you know, like um that is that is allowing someone else to live their purpose. If you can find someone like a therapist or someone who's qualified to help you through this, to work through it, because you you can't teach from a wound, you know, you have to, we, we can only profit from a scar, really. That's the best place. And, and sometimes we need the help of others to form that scar. You know, so if you are in the midst of it, I always just say, like, don't suffer needlessly. There are people who their purpose is to help you through this. Mm. I really enjoyed this part. Didn't know we're actually going to go down here, but <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Um, I want to sort of backtrack a little bit and sure. ask you real quick about how you grew up and where this desire to be in business, health and fitness, where did that all come from? My parents were entrepreneurs, specifically my dad's an entrepreneur and he's had a million different types of businesses. Um, so I grew up with feeling the uncertainty and the risk was very normalized in our household and it was exciting. And uh, both my parents are really super positive. So I never saw their missteps or experiments as negative. I always saw that as like a positive and very exciting and exhilarating. And uh, so I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I learned a great money mindset from them, even though we were, we were often broke. I didn't know that though. And, but I, you know, from a really young age, the language that my parents used with us, all three of us have turned out to be very successful entrepreneurs. My brother and sister, super successful. Um, and they're both entrepreneurs. And I think a big piece of that is because, not because our parents told us we need to be entre- entrepreneurs, but they gave us evidence. They would, um, you know, if we wanted something as kids do, like I want those shoes, I want that outfit or whatever it was, they would say, well, of course, 
You could have that. Let's just come up with a plan. Let's, how much does it cost? Okay, cool. Let's come up with a plan. How long is it going to take you to earn that money? What are some different ideas we can brainstorm for you to earn the money around the neighborhood or around the house or little things you could do and sell? Um, so they were always helping us. They never said like, okay, here's the money. They didn't say things like money doesn't grow on trees. They <laughs> never said we can't afford it. They would say, great idea. Let's figure out a way for you to, to buy it. And so I just thought that was normal. Anything you want, you just figure out a way. And so, you know, I started um, uh, saving to go to college when I was in high school and started a business. I shouldn't say a business. I, I started a side hustle of flipping automobiles. So I would buy used vehicles. This is even before I had a license. I would buy a used vehicle and then I would fix it up cosmetically. I would have it painted. I would restore it cosmetically. And then I would sell it, make a couple hundred dollars and then go do that again and do that again and do that again until I had enough money to uh, pay for my college tuition. And then when I was in college, I, I, um, I had an incident trying to sell a vehicle uh, where I had a cash, uh, a purse full of cash and I'd gone to a very uh, dangerous neighborhood to, ins to pick up a vehicle. And when I inspected the, the uh, pink slip, if you will, the title, uh, from looking at the vehicle identification numbers, I could see that the vehicle had been in an accident. It was a salvage vehicle. And so I said, oh, no, no, you know, this is not what you promised me. So, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in the vehicle. And, and when I did that, like all these men started coming out from other rooms. I was in this tiny little apartment in this scary neighborhood, uh, you know, 19 year old petite blonde with a purse full of cash. And I just thought, this is really dumb. Uh, if I, if I get out of here alive, I'm not going to do this again. And, um, that gave me the idea to start my, my first official business, which was a swap meet. I started an automobile swap meet for private sellers in the state of Michigan and to solve my own problem. And that was, that was really what I learned growing up is like, okay, solve a problem. There will be other people who have that problem. And in doing so, you, you can help others and profit from it. And that's been the catalyst for each of my business ideas. So from cars to <laughs> health and fitness, this is very curious. Well, yeah, so so there are lots of businesses in between. Um, the fitness idea was one, you know, I didn't study fitness. I it wasn't an exercise physiologist or anything like that. I, I, I know marketing. And so the reason why people know me is not because I know more about fitness or exercise or even because it's my number one passion. They know about me because I know marketing and I've studied marketing. And um, so when I created a business that developed a fitness program for fitness instructors. And I sold that to health clubs across the United States. It was called Turbo Kick and uh, Payo and Hip Hop Hustle, these different formats and that eventually caught the attention of infomercial companies. And so I partnered with uh, a, a big infomercial company. And then we took that program and created a consumer program, not one just for the gyms, but like one that people could do at home. And then eventually we sold our um, our fitness business to uh, Beachbody. And uh, so we sold our, a fitness business, a certification company and our apparel company to Beachbody. And I still partner with them today to do uh, infomercials. But I think what the probably the biggest misconception people have is that I am a that I, I do fitness. I, you know, I create those videos. You Here's how that works. You create those videos. It takes like seven days to create a series of videos and they're sold kind of indefinitely. Uh, but the rest of 
my 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 primary source of income, my primary source, my primary focus has been to teach teaching marketing and entrepreneurship for the last uh, fifteen years. Um, but pe- people tend to know me from fitness. But again, I, I that's really because because um, I study marketing. This is fascinating. I have so many mm-hmm. questions. Um, one of them being, okay, so I when I first connected or realized who you were it was actually through a marketing ad an advertisement Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i'm like this is very unique this is different and Mm. i wanted to ask you what is the what are some mistakes that you see a lot of marketers doing today that you would do completely differently Fun, fun uh i would i wouldn't spend as much money on production as they do I, i would like I would, I wouldn't script things. I wouldn't, uh, polish things. I wouldn't use, uh, someone, I wouldn't use a copywriter. I wouldn't use hair and makeup and I wouldn't use professional cameras and lighting. I would open up your damn phone and talk to people because we, we are very skeptical of slick marketing now more than ever. We, we want real, we, we want to hear from our friends, what it is they like. We don't want businesses to tell us what to buy. We want we want to read reviews. That's why Amazon reviews are, that's why most of us make our decisions. We, you go to the app store. If you type in any kind of app, you you don't read the description of the app. You look at how many reviews there are and what the reviews say. Uh, the same is true of just about anything. And the reason why is because we trust our friend, right? We, we trust other people, what other people are saying about a product, a program, a service. And so I think the number one mistake that marketers make today is that it's, they, they overpolish things and it like the more real, the more raw and the more honest you can be, the better it's going to convert. Mm. You mentioned trust there, which is a very, very powerful point. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. how have you been able to build trust over the years, whether or not it's in your relationships or business relationships? Yeah. Trust is built through authenticity and time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned that persistence. So I, I have customers who have been following me in social media for 12 years. They've been listening to my podcast for the last, you know, five years. They've downloaded every, they've downloaded hundreds and hundreds. I've poured hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into them, free trainings, showing up, responding to their DMs. And, um, they've never bought anything from me and that's okay. Because what I've done is established, uh, a level of trust that, will serve me when they are ready. They know where to find me mm-hmm. and it will be an easy decision for them to make. Trust is the most important thing that you can do when it comes to building your business. And it's the quickest thing that you can destroy. And it's, it's really impossible to build it back. That's why I'm so incredibly particular and careful about the things that I bring to my audience and how I bring it to them and what I say. And trust is built over time. It is, and it, you've got to be authentic because we are so good at reading through the BS today. And you know what? There are some folks out there who can BS the masses for a little while, but it always, mark my words, always comes crashing down. And it's almost like a, um, for those people who are good at seeing through BS Mm. when we see those phony guru people crash, it's not that we, um, you know, get excited or happy or joyful to see somebody crash and burn. But it's also like, oh, I knew my radar told me this person wasn't authentic. My radar told me that was that they were phony. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of like reassuring to know, like, 
okay, I wasn't crazy. And I, I think most of us are pretty good at picking up on phony. Yeah. And um, I think phony, it, you know, cause it can bug, if you're an authentic person, it can bug you when you see phony people like rising to the top or whatever, like pulling the wool over on other people's eyes. And you just have to know that eventually um, that all works itself out. I can't begin to tell you how much I relate to everything you just said there. I am mm. <laughs> always, always trying the very best that I can to be authentic, to be a man of integrity and to show my true self, my character, mm. not to just beat around the bush as the old saying goes, just to go straight directly to the core. That's where the value really is. And if people yeah. see that you are being true to you, then they can actually relate, which then also helps them. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's such a powerful thing that you just said there. Um, I want people to rewind and go back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but a couple more questions for you, Shalene, if you don't mind. Not at all. This one may be a hard one to answer, but we'll see how we go. You've given a lot of advice already. And I'm curious, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received from someone? I love that question. The worst piece of advice I've ever given or the worst piece of advice I've ever received? You've ever received. First piece of advice I've ever received was um, on several occasions, just hiring mentors or coaches who wanted me to do things faster or, or to do more than what I knew was comfortable in order for me to maintain the word peace. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that it was poor advice. It was that I wasn't listening to my own intuition that was telling me like, this is too fast. This is, um, this is a pace that's going to like a business pace, for example, that is going to encroach on my happiness or it's going to affect my marriage or it's, it's I'm not going to be able to do the things that I need to do every day to, to be grounded and to be happy. And so it, I would have to say that I've never gotten like horrible advice, but I've gotten advice that I've taken, even though I knew it didn't fit for me. Mm, that's good. That's very good. Um, this one, what is your biggest fear currently? My biggest fear currently is, um, probably I, I worry about, I mean, this is just like a global thing. I just so worry about what social media is doing to us. I worry about what it's doing to our kids. I worry what it's doing to our relationships. I worry about what it's doing to our posture and our anxiety and our connectedness. I worry about what it does to our faith. I just, and, and it's, I teach it. I love it. I, you know, it's the reason why I live in this house is social media. Like it's such a necessary evil, but I just know we have to do something because there are too many negatives that are coming from it. And I, and especially of the Gen Z and, and uh, the, the kids, I'm just really worried about the kids and social media. That's my biggest fear. Same. Uh, mm. You're completely right about that. I, I've always said that social media has connected the world, but it's also disconnected them at the same time. It's, yeah. it's a massive issue. There's so much negativity on there. There's a lot of like, when I was growing up and I'm only 24, and this is how scary it actually is. I didn't have a phone um, until the age of like 15, 14, but I had a computer which had access to Facebook. And I remember the first time I actually created Facebook, my mom almost killed me. She's like, why in the world would you want to be on that negative platform? 
and I was, mm. I was actually bullied on oh. online. And I was like, why, why are people being so nasty? What's the point of it? But they do it. Mm-hmm. There is a level of insecurity on, on their part. And that's one of the reasons why I want to bring awareness. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but man, you just, you go to a restaurant, you see every kid has, they're not talking to their parents. They have an iPad in front of them and mom and, and I'm not like judging. Cause look, we do the same thing, you know, we're, we're on our phones and, but we've got to set, we've got to figure something out. And I don't know. I wish I knew what it was, but um, it does have me very nervous. Mm, we sort of become accustomed to having technology at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, yeah. It's just so quick. Like, yeah. I, I was, took a vacation this summer and um, my phone flew in the lake. We were uh, water skiing. My phone flew in the lake and uh, we were so, it was like over 4th of July weekend. So everything was closed. We were in a very rural area. So I literally had to go like, oh my gosh, you know, five days without a phone. And it was the best five days ever. It was so, I was so calm. And I thought, could I do this more often? You know, like, of course I could. Of course I could. Why don't I? I guess is the question. I went on a family cruise in 2017 and I hated the cruise, but <laughs> the, the interesting thing was we, we didn't have internet for 14 mm-hmm. days. And looking back on it now, it was the most peaceful 14 days, even though my attitude mm-hmm. stunk the whole time. <laughs> that, that's another story entirely, but um it was so peaceful because I wasn't, and I thought I had missed out on life. But then when I reconnected back to the social world in quotation marks, mm-hmm. I didn't miss a thing. It was the same, same crap. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just on, on repeat. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is very interesting. But um, uh, my, my second last question for you, Shalene, if you don't mind, um, I, I always ask this one at the end. It's my all-time favorite question. Um, so this is a hypothetical question. So imagine for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Once again, hypothetical. Don't ask me how in the world they got it or we'll call it magic, but <laughs> got it and they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Uh, I wanted to show that I was a teacher that um, that was what was most important to me was to to teach and to help uh, first and foremost, my family and the people who are important to me. I hope that it shows that I was someone who didn't really care much what other people thought or climbing any social ladder. I really poured into a small group of people who matter a lot to me. Um, it would show it would show me being present. It would show me uh, lifting others up and seeing, helping them to see their potential and then helping them to achieve their potential. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, people who um, were close to me. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's a beautiful film. I would watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and okay. I apologize. I lied. This has been my second last question. Uh, I'm so sorry, but. Well, they're, they're so good. These are like, my degree is in justice, morality, and constitutional democracy. Wow. So I lean, I lean towards the philosophical. So this is fun. I like that. Okay. This might be a philosophical question too, but what do you love the most about your husband? 
Oh my gosh, he's such a caretaker. Like he was put on this planet to care for a, a woman with extreme ADD and he found her. <laughs> He, uh, my husband is, I like to say he is an orange cone and I'm a bulldozer. He's, um, which by that, I mean, he doesn't stop me, but he's, oh, he's always there to like, make sure that I don't bulldoze off the side of a cliff. He makes sure that I don't hurt other people with my crazy ideas, but he just always provides the support and the wisdom. And I've never met, like, I mean, nobody cheers me on like he does nor is it important to me. Like, I don't need kudos from people. I just don't. I don't need accolades or, you know, anything like that. But I do look to him and say, like, so was that good? Did you like that? You know, because I, his opinion really matters to me. And um, I just, he's, I love everything about him. He's an amazing father. He's amazing son. And I don't know how I got so lucky to have, actually, I'll say this so that people aren't like puking in their mouths. Um, he didn't always used to be this way. He used to be kind of a jerk. And then he did intense, intense therapy and figured out why it was he was in pain and uh, worked through those things. And then I got my husband 2.0 and uh, that guy, I love them both, but I really enjoy being with my husband 2.0. <laughs> what attracted to your husband 1.0 in the first place? Uh he was a um, collegiate quarterback. So a manly man, the leader, the guy who's going to call the shots. And I just hadn't met anyone who could um, uh, kind of meet me in that space. I, I, I could, I'd never met anyone who challenged me mm. um, and, and had that same like kind of leadership ability, but yet we didn't compete with each other. Like, so he, he had strengths in completely different areas than I did. And so we both really were enamored with each other's strengths, but he was a very strong leader. Mm. He made the first move, you or him? Let me think about that. <laughs> I, I mean, we've, we both tell the, the story in our own way, but I, I would, I would say it was, it was definitely him. Yeah, it was definitely him. It's definitely him. <laughs> uh, honestly, like you can see what, what 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 I can see on on social media at least is you put up these hilarious videos, these, <laughs> these dance videos of you guys. Uh, it's so clever. Like I think it it's just it's pure, and uh, I really really appreciate that. It, it brightens up my day when I see it. I'm like, because I can't dance anywhere close to that. Oh, uh, thanks. He's this manly man. Like he just. Doing it, but it's so cool. He's trying. Yeah, yeah. We we have a lot of funny videos on my IG too. Um, we've done a couple of videos where we impersonate each other, like what it's like to live with him and what it's like to live with me, and then we play each other. And I think those are pretty funny too, because I think anyone who's in a relationship, there's a part of you that's just like so completely opposite that everyone can relate to that. Mm. It's creative. I love it. Don't stop Thanks. doing it, please. <laughs> All right. Um, my last question for you, Shalini, if you don't mind, is what is the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? Weirdest food combination I've ever tried? Um, well, I don't know if it's a weird weird food combination, but it, it's a strange thing that my dad used to make. So I grew up in the Midwest in Michigan, and this will be for those people who are like, you know, grew up eating horrible food, we did for sure. And um, my my 
dad would make these, he was a horrible, he was horrible in the kitchen as <laughs> am I still. Uh, but he would make, when my mom would leave, he would make up these like crazy concoctions uh, to try to feed us. And I remember we had, we got a, like a, like a deep fryer and he took ice cream and made a ball of ice cream and then wrapped it in wonder bread <laughs> and then deep fried it. So we had like um, wonder bread fried ice cream for dinner. It was it delicious. Sounds, it sounds like my, the kind of man that I wanted as a father, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that kind of style of, of cooking. Uh, oh, he's, he's a hoot. He, he used to tell us when we were, this is why I had to like break all the norms or, you know, everything I learned growing up. He would take us to um, gas stations when we were growing up. Uh, if my mom was gone, of course, and he would take us to gas stations to buy food that was wrapped in, you know, cellophane and in their refrigerators. Cause he's like, guy, you guys, these, these sandwiches have to be so good for you. They can live for months. They've, they're, they've got some kind of preservatives in them. They've got to provide us with some kind of preservatives. Maybe we'll live longer if we eat these sandwiches. Meanwhile, we didn't realize we were eating like, you know, completely fake foods loaded with preservatives. But in his mind, like this stuff, look at this hot dog. It could live here for months. We should eat it. <laughs> Don't take any nutrition um, advice from, from Bill. That is gold. <laughs> Oh, my mouth. Oh, my jaw. It's killing me. Oh, thank you for that. Um, yeah. Jalene, where can people find you and connect with you? I'm going to continue laughing in the background. Awesome. Well, if you're a podcast listener, it's The Shalene Show. Uh, if you're into business, it's Build Your Tribe on podcasts. And uh, Instagram, I'm at Shalene Johnson. Shalene, thank you so much for your time today, your energy, making me laugh as well. And for the answering the so-called philosophical questions, I really <laughs> Well, what a fun and beautiful conversation. Thank you for the opportunity to spend some time with you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.